Welcome to Millennial Pagan Podcast, the podcast that's bringing a voice to the growing number of millennials in our brand of witchcraft, magic, practice, and worship. We're your hosts, Autumn Wolf and Jara Stone. And in studio, we have Renee Demoiselle. Hi there. Hello. Hello. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you. So we just entered in through Maybon. Yep. How's Maybon? Yeah. So how's that? How's that working out for everybody so far? Seems good to me. I mean, this is the time of balance, right? So mm-hmm. it's kind of like what I needed, actually. So it seems to be. This has been a nice calm weekend so far, and <laughs> I'm feeling that kind of vibe. So that's good. That's okay. good. What about uh, what about you, Autumn? Well, I think I'm sounding a little bit better. You are still kind of coughing up a lung, um, not the whole lung anymore. Yeah, but yeah, I did some some magic work to try and bring about a little bit more balance, get rid of some trash in the old emotional wheel. We'll see how it goes. Oh, you haven't put me in a trash bag yet, so that's good so far. That you know of. (laughs) That I know of. Um, Yeah, I actually uh, went to uh, the reclaiming ritual last night, Mm -hmm. and uh, it was kind uh, kind of interesting, a little bit different. It was Alice in Wonderland themed. Oh, Well, we'll have to talk more about that next week during our Patreon exclusive episode. Exactly. Just giving you guys a little bit of taste of what it was. Yeah. All right. So so the reason we have uh, Renee in the studio with us, why don't you go ahead and uh, enlighten us? Of course. She's actually a published author through Wiser Books, which is one of our biggest pagan publishing houses. So... Woo! <laughs> yes, go there. Um, but before we actually dive into the storytelling alchemy, let's ask Renee to share her coming of witch story with us. Ah, coming mm-hmm. of witch. Yeah. So I grew up kind of always having some kind of a uh, an ability, I guess you could say, a, mm-hmm. a, an understanding of things that may have been a little deeper than the people around me. The earliest thing I remember is at the age of four, I had a dream that. Um, it was of my great grandparents who both passed away before I was born. And, uh, I shared a meal with them in their home and they treated me as one would a grandchild, you know, a loved child of the family. I think I was four. And I woke up from that and told my mother all of the details about it. And she completely lost her mind oh, because oh. it was... 100% accurate of, of who, who they were, their mm-hmm. mannerisms, their looks, the look of their home, mm-hmm. what they cooked for me, the whole nine yards. And um, she freaked out, but only a little, not so much that I was felt like I was a freak or anything. Mm-hmm. And I grew up in a household where my mom didn't ma- never made a big deal of it, but always called me her little psychic. Aww. And, you know, I always knew who was on the phone. I always, you know, I would say things and they would happen. Um and I kind of always, I grew up with the feeling that it was just a talent that some people had. Like my brother was good at sports and I had this. <laughs> and so that's a good that's, way to look at it. it. Very mm-hmm. healthy. And, it, and that's how I feel about it still. Um, and I've always been interested in the occult. But the first time I really looked, I, I, I did a lot of, uh, let's call it, um, you know, searching for a spiritual path. Mm-hmm. I, I was raised Catholic, um, not staunchly so, but... That was the religion that I grew up in, and um, I knew in my early twenties that this was not really for me. It didn't work. It's not. I didn't. It kind of started to sound really ridiculous the further I looked into it. <laughs> I just couldn't reconcile some of the things that were I was being told. I've been and, there. I've been there. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so as I, I know, I have many people, and um, I so I kind of I, I gave myself an education in comparative religion. I just did a Ooh. lot of reading and a lot of searching and a lot of seeking and and practicing many different things. I took up meditation. Uh, I started just sort of naturally doing somewhat witchy things, which I never would have called them that at the time, but right. I was doing magic and you know burning candles, incense and crystals and all these things. And one day my daughter in her own little faith crisis came to me with a book and said I would like you to read this because I think this is what I am and it was a book about Wicca I don't remember which one but I read the first two chat and like not even chapters paragraphs and they were (laughs) sort of a description of this earth you know nature worshiping kind of thing and I was like oh but that's what I've always been 
<laughs> like that's yes, that's me. And it, even though I had read all of these other books about different kinds of spirituality and different religion, that was the one where I I, I felt really like oh, now I found it. The mm-hmm. aha moment. <laughs> yeah, like oh, the others I could make sense of a lot of different pieces of them, but this just simply described who I was right. I didn't have to fit into it at all it, it was already there it's mm-hmm. just that now there's a name <laughs> it's witchcraft it's wicca it's whatever so nice. I, I joined a coven I did you know I did seven years as a founding member of one of the largest covens in the northeast is um, that a particular tradition that tradition is now called progressive. It has its roots mm-hmm. in Alexandrian, Gardnerian, um, and it's a it's a um, tra- it's a initiatory training mm-hmm. program where um, I was taught by the high priestess of that coven and um, had raised up <laughs> three or four students in that coven to their various degrees and whatnot. So. Yeah, that was fun. It was very, very challenging and enlightening experience. Nice. <laughs> so um, what would you describe your current practice? Very, very eclectic. <laughs> um, I, I kind of started at as what I used to call Reneeism, and I think I'm back to it. It's like <laughs> it's kind of come this full circle of um, I incorporate a lot of the other religious practices that I've learned. Mm-hmm. I, um, I'm constantly wanting to take in more of this, this paganesque kind of practice of, you know, being in alignment with the earth and her rhythms and, and, uh, practicing magic and all of that. Um, I jokingly sometimes call myself an atheist, witch. Because I don't, it's not really a joke because I don't think there's anything supernatural about what we do. It mm-hmm. all is a part of nature. It's just mm-hmm. that science has not yet come to terms with the tools or the, or the technology that can allow us to describe it in a way that is acceptable to modern science. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think there's anything supernatural at all. I think it's all just nature what happens yeah, yeah it's <laughs> how it's, it's how things work <laughs> it's the way it is yeah so are there deities that you work with currently i do um when i was in the coven uh i dedicated to uh athena and odin because mm-hmm. they wanted you to choose a um a male and female deity uh i can say that the choosing was mutual, I think. For for one, I know with Athena especially, I've, I since a child I was very much uh, into her mythology and her mm-hmm. ideal ideology, and I like that she's probably one of the more like the less dramatic. Let's put it mm-hmm. that the less dramatic of especially of the Greek goddesses. Mm-hmm. They're right. also jealous and. <laughs> angry she's and hateful and yeah. angry yeah she's just very laid back she's very much uh you know she's she's cool and when i started to dedicate um i started has you know like the, then your brain kicks in and mm-hmm. my brain has always been my biggest hindrance because it'll tell me you should think about this you should read about that you should go here you should go instead of just following my intuition so my mm-hmm. first intuition was to go with athena and then I said, but you know what, in this lifetime, at least one of my major, most important roles is mother. Mm-hmm. And Athena doesn't have that in her mythology. Right. And I started to think that maybe I should dedicate to a goddess who was um, correlated, but still had the motherhood aspect. And I do have Celtic blood. So I thought maybe Breed, Bridget would be right. a good uh, substitute and... I started having dreams about owls attacking me. Oh my goodness! <laughs> and it took um, it took a, a few weeks of that happening for my thick skull to understand that she was mad at me. Get back and, on the right path. And I I actually woke up one morning to a voice in my room, and I not in my head, a voice in my room yelling, I chose you. <laughs> Stop looking at her. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yes. Um, so that's kind of how I feel about it. And um, I found out through DNA ancestry that I have quite a lot of Scandinavian blood. And um, I've had communications with Odin where he says, you know, because uh, 
according to some of the mythology, he was most probably a human at some point, mm -hmm. a king or a hero of some kind who had been exalted into this deity form. And um, he, in, in a vision once, he said, we probably share some DNA, which Ooh. I think is kind of cool. So I refer to myself as a daughter of Odin and a priestess of Athena. Um, I, like I do work with other deities from time to time. Mm -hmm. Recently, I've been contacted by Anubis, which is scary, but <laughs> uh, yeah, that's where I'm at. Right now. We've had a guest who's an, an Anubis follower. Oh, really? Yeah, mm -hmm. and I know um, at least one other witch that is a priestess of Anubis, mm -hmm. so... That's not surprising. He, he, he I feel like he's kind of coming out of the woodwork a little. Yeah, that's but a lot impossible. of the a lot of the death deities are. Yeah, not 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 to kind of pull a downer on this, but with how overpopulated the world is, I just kind of think that that there is something in the works right now that's not necessarily be a huge catastrophe, but I think there's going to be a thinning of the herd. A natural progression. And, and, yeah. But we're seeing that a lot with our generation not having kids. Too. Exactly. So it yeah. might be a natural going yeah. down. Who knows? Anyway, on a lighter note, <laughs> what kind of magic do you practice? Oh, my goodness. Most often. Well, what, all the kinds. <laughs> right? I mean, again, I, I, I would refer to it as, as, as Reneeism. I, I don't. So whatever. Like <laughs> <laughs> what is needed? Yes. Whatever's needed. Um an old friend actually just messaged me yesterday about she had put a bid on, on a house and they found out that somebody put a bid right before them. Ooh. And so there's this like tension of, uh, are we going to get it? Are we not going to get it? Can, and she messaged me asking, you know, can I do magic around this? Should I do magic around this? And I'm like, why the heck not? Yes, yeah, absolutely. Do, do the magic. And I gave her some ideas. But for me, it's very, you know, it's very organic. It's very mm -hmm. much like what, what grows of my desires and my uh, will to move to whatever, you know, whatever the next thing is. So I do sigil magic. Um, I love doing mojo bags. One of the magics that I do is in the book <laughs> called Storytelling Alchemy. I, I, I transform myself through stories that I write, which are semi-autobiographical in nature so it's the you know there's a lot of different ways i do magic right well before we take a short break and then dive into the storytelling alchemy uh what kind of books would you suggest to maybe our newer listeners ah uh, the beginners yeah the baby witches mm -hmm. i always my first suggestion is always um, Margot Adler's um, Drawing Down the Moon. Ooh. And because I think it gives you a great overview of mm -hmm. different paths and you can kind of get from that what draws you and what doesn't. You know, you may be much more drawn to the Thelemic path and less drawn to the Druidic path. You know, like you kind of get a, get an idea of many different aspects of paganism mm -hmm. um, and where you might fit in. Um, and then from there, I think whichever path you think is drawing you, go with that. Mm -hmm. um, if you're looking at, you know, specific to Wicca, um, I love the Big Blue. I love um, Uncle Bucky's Big Uncle Blue. Uncle Bucky's Big Blue book. <laughs> yeah. um, Raymond Buckland's uh, book on Wicca. There's another one, and I'm going to screw up the author's name. It's Timothy, and it begins with an R, and it's called A Year in a Day. And it has practices every day for 366 days that you can do to help increase your abilities to learn about the wheel of the year to learn about you know it's it's very basic and it's actually a book that I give to my students when I'm when I have them um, to work with so those, those are probably for beginners my three faves wow nice <laughs> What was there? Roderick. Um, Timothy Roderick. 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 Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, what was there something that that kind of, um, especially with with following Odin, was there more than just the blood? Was there was there a vision? Oh, there have uh, been yeah many. <laughs> so um, in the beginning, when I decided, quote unquote, that <laughs> Odin would be um, a good a good deity for me to follow. I, I do, I, I tend, 
I tend to lean towards warrior deities, mm-hmm. and I tend to lean towards wisdom deities. Mm-hmm. And both Athena and Odin fit that idea. And then I also I kind of asked Athena who she'd be okay with being on the same altar with. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? True. You know, so I, because I, she was first, and you know, she was cool, and I, and I, I leaned toward. I don't know why it was. I, it's hard to ex- explain. But since then, there have been, there was a really fantastic one. So I was looking into some past life stuff for myself. Mm -hmm. And I asked Odin, I was on a treadmill or an elliptical, actually. I I do a lot of my my traveling on doing some exercise equipment. Traveling. And I was on an elliptical and I was looking for a vision and I was listening to this really great band called Kudu, which means black dog in Gaelic and it's uh, kind of a bagpipe and drum warrior tribal sound. It's amazing. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Listening to that and I had a glimpse of a past life and I asked Odin to expand on it to give me more mm-hmm. of the vision. Um, and I saw him, he, he has a twinkle in his eye all the time. Yeah. <laughs> that one eye, it's just oh, twinkling at me all the time. It's kind of like it, he's amused by us, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he, he kind of gave me the, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> once I do it, and I can't undo it. It's gonna, you know, it's not. In other words, and I know what that means for him when he said that to me. It's not going to be an easy vision. It's not going. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to show you like the light and fluffy day of that lifetime. I'm going to show you the worst day of that lifetime. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, all right, <laughs> let's do it. I'm sweating like a pig. Nobody can tell if I cry. It's fine. Oh yeah. And um, so he gave it to me. All right, and it was. Um, Apparently in that lifetime, and, and I, I believe the time frame was uh, the year 1013 in Denmark, what, mm-hmm. what we know today as Denmark. Denmark. Yeah. And I was the daughter of the woman who prepared the dead for their ritual. Mm-hmm. And I was the apprentice of that woman. And this was my test day. And Ooh. I had to prepare my first dead person all on my own. And it turned out that that person was my mother. And I was doing it way younger than I had believed that I would have to. Mm -hmm. I think I was 13 at the time. And I was terrified and Mm grief-stricken. And I had to wrap her body. And I had to kind of do all of these, you know, like ritualistic preparations to get her ready for her funeral rites and it was um it was terribly painful but so vivid that I know that it's real Mm -hmm. I have no doubt in my mind at all that that happened wow (laughs) um and and he guided me through that and when I was ready to come out of that vision I felt I felt his strength and I felt his hand and I felt his love and he Mm -hmm. allowed me to come through that with more composure than I would have without right. him. <laughs> wow. I, yeah, I, I just knew there was something, like I had to ask that because there was something powerful behind thank it. You. So, yeah, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. So I think uh, we're, we're going to take a break. Take a quick break and we'll be right back. Yeah. All right, we are back with Millennial Pagan Podcast, and of course we have uh, Renee with us still, and uh, we're going to actually talk a little bit about that uh, the nice little book you got coming out. I'm very excited. So uh, what's the uh, what's the title of it? It's called Storytelling Alchemy, Write Your Own Happy Ending. Ooh, I like that. So do you want to give us like a little tidbit intro before we start asking questions? Um, sure. So it's about... Uh, This is a practice that I kind of started using in my own life. And then Mm -hmm. when I started writing about it, it seemed like, yeah, this could actually might be helpful to other people as well. Um, And it is use of story to reframe or retell um, a, a tragic or difficult or challenging story from one's own life 
you retell it in fairy tale form, wherein you have the help of magical others and uh, supernatural forces and things like that to change the story in a way that's positive and empowering for you. Mm-hmm. Um, I have personally gone through several different stories and iterations over things in my past that have really allowed me to um, have a different view of those difficult things that happen, right? We all have stories of of loss, of mm-hmm. tragedy, of sadness, um, and being able to reframe those in a way that gives you more empowering beliefs to go forward is, is a very, very valuable thing that I've found. Um, so that's kind of what it's about. I had originally titled it Craft and Conjure Your Own Happy Ending, mm-hmm. um, and my publisher, Wiser, decided that they wanted it to be a little bit more of a crossover, uh, to be available to not just magical practitioners, but to anyone in the self-help field who wanted to u- utilize this, this you know, tool. Yeah. Right. I-, I like that. So it's kind of like re- rewriting your history to reroute the future. Exactly. I like that. <laughs> I'm, I, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, like, personally, I'm a, I'm a bit of a storyteller. I'm a entertainer by, by nature, by trade. And... I've kind of kind of used that premise as well, not not completely to to that ending, but rewriting my stories, making them more fanciful and more exuberant. Right. So yeah. I, I like that. Yeah, you can do it with your own life. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How did you start developing the methods? Well, oh, it's just such a long history. It's hard to pinpoint <laughs> where it might have started. Right. I've always been a writer of stories. I love mm-hmm. I love to write. And ever since I was a child, I've always written stories. And they always have magic in them. And they always, you know, like there's always some kind of an occult aspect to most of them. And the first time I ever consciously did something where I was like, you know what, I'm going to write this thing to help me get over this junk mm-hmm. <laughs> was I was actually after a breakup and in deep, sorrowful, sad, pathetic heartbreak. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was going through this time in my life where it was just, I, I really was falling into this terrible abyss of sadness and depression and I was angry with myself for even feeling that way I was raised by a woman who was fond of the Gloria Steinem quote a woman without a man is like a fish without a bicycle and so I knew that she would have been disappointed in me being so sad over this man leaving me and it was a difficult time and I at some point in the progression of this depressed time in my life I was reminded of how my writing has always kind of comforted me. Mm -hmm. And uh, I was also, you know, synchronicities, right? I was driving. I found a poem that I had written years before, and that reminded me about my writing. And then I was driving, and I passed um, a yin-yang symbol on a rock, and (laughs) that reminded me of that shadow aspect of Mm -hmm. ourselves that we try to deny. And I realized that I wasn't, even though I was feeling all this sadness and so depressed, I wasn't allowing myself to be in that sadness. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had to uncover this bit of shadow in myself that was shameful of being sad. And why should we be shameful of being sad? It's a human emotion. It's part of what we are supposed to experience. Mm-hmm. Right. So I started writing a poem. It's called The Deep And I worked at it and worked at it, and I kept getting stuck right at that point where I was feeling the worst sadness of this heartache. And I finally was just so frustrated with it and so in that space of anguish and pain and calling out to whomever, whatever, asking for some sort of deliverance from this. And I was driving. I remember the exact moment and... I kept asking the man who left why he left and why he didn't love me. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you love me? Why didn't you love me? Why didn't you love me? Because if you loved me, you'd still be here. I was pathetic and ridiculous. Mm-hmm. and Like we all are at yes. one point mm-hmm. in a breakup. I'm so oh, yeah. sad. And all of a sudden I heard this voice in my head that said, you're asking the wrong question of the wrong person. Mm-hmm. And I thought, okay, so... 
the person, obviously, I should be asking the question of is myself, because it's always yourself that has to answer, right? Mm-hmm. And But what's the right question? And right on the heels of that, the answer came, and it was, why do you need him to tell you he didn't love you? Why do you need that? Mm-hmm. And immediately upon that question being asked was the answer, and it was, because I have a deeply held belief that I can't be loved. And in the instant that that shadow belief Mm -hmm. came into the light, it completely dissipated. And I was filled with this amazing, glowing, unbelievably incredible light, which is made of nothing but love. Mm -hmm. And I realized how false that belief was. And I have never been the same since. I mean, it was an alchemical transmutation of this belief that I can't be loved to an understanding that I am nothing but love. That's what storytelling alchemy can do. Wow. (laughs) And so that was probably the first conscious effort at writing something that, you know, that would help me evolve into that. And then I kind of grew it from there, I guess. (laughs) Wow. <laughs> that That's actually a pretty powerful way to start that. It was, yes. Yeah. I've never felt unloved since. That was quite a number of years ago. Wow. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think honestly, one of the most important loves is, is self-love. And even, even from, from my own aspects, too, it's like you kind of, you, you have to, what, what's that, uh, uh, the movie? Um, oh, uh, the musical Rent. There, okay. there, there's mm-hmm. actually there's actually a line in there that says you'll never find true love until you love yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's that's pretty powerful. I love it. Is there other types of shadow work that you expressly work through in the book to help um, people with? Well, yeah, I mean the whole the whole writing aspect of it. So there's there's meditation portions of it. Mm-hmm. There's writing and journaling and and. Uh, well, I call them memory meditations, where you're reaching back into your past mm-hmm. to look at these episodes of your life that have been difficult or tragic or sad, and, and you're trying to kind of grasp what beliefs you might have engendered mm-hmm. from those episodes, from those experiences, in order to understand whether they're false or true. You know, some deeply held beliefs are true, and those are usually positive. The negative and deeply held beliefs that are implanted during tragedy Mm -hmm. are almost always false and limiting and disempowering. And so those are the things I try to bring to light through journaling, through dream working, through, you know, dream interpretation, Mm -hmm. through meditations, uh, through the writing itself. And those are all portions of the process in the book. And it's very important in this process to actually look at the past, not just bury it. Absolutely. Yeah, we we want to kind of examine all of the feelings that have come to light in those times when we were having difficulty in order to sort of, you know, transform them a little bit so that you can write. You have to look at it in order to write an accurate story for yourself. Um, And so I'm, I'm encouraging people to correlate characters in their books to archetypal fairy tale characters were you the damsel in distress were you the knight in shining armor were you the witch were you the princess were you you know whatever the were you the ogre or the troll under the bridge or was this person who victimized you the troll under the bridge and you the innocent bypasser so we we try to correlate all of those characters to match um you know what you might write about and even just that process is probably really affirming and helpful for yes. people, like yeah. seeing themselves in that light and going, okay, especially people who know about like actual fairy tale stories. If you suddenly go, oh, wait, I was a damsel in distress, then you know all the baggage that comes with that and all of the negative and go, okay, well, how do I become my own warrior? Mm-hmm. Now it's time to actually sit down and write it. Absolutely. Wow. I like that aspect <laughs> of it. it. It's very freeing for people to actually be able to kind of rewrite their own story in the way that they, that they see fit, that they. Mm-hmm. Th- that they should and when you come to the realization the story changes yeah that's that's the cool thing i mean i've written it so i i used to teach a class 
I guess the book kind of came out of that class too, for transformational storytelling mm-hmm. for a nonprofit in Phoenix called Fresh Start Women's Organization. And they have self-development classes and things like that. And I used to teach there. And this is one of the classes. And every time I go through this course, I write myself another story because there's mm-hmm. always more to mm-hmm. work on. There's mm-hmm. always some aspect of your being that could use improvement. And so I write a new story every single time. And uh, I've written everything from this epic, big fairy tale uh, that kind of encompasses my whole life from mm-hmm. birth till now. And everything down to, uh, there's a story that I wrote called Sarah of Dentalia, which was about my fear of the dentist. Oh, <laughs> so there's nothing too large or too small to transform using this process. You right. can change whatever it is you want to change. You look at what's limiting you right now. You look at what's making you unhappy right now. And you dig into that. Find where the story is and mm-hmm. rewrite it in a way that's empowering. Take the limbo coal and turn it to gold. Exactly. Lead to gold, baby. That's alchemy. (laughs) (laughs) So why would you say journaling? Because it's one of the important aspects of this actual practice is important for magical practitioners. Oh, wow. In in general, journaling. So, and so, all right, I'm going to talk a little bit about the writing aspect of journaling, because when you're writing, Mm -hmm. when I'm writing, I believe that I'm in a magical sacred space. It's a sacred practice for me. And Sometimes I'm just kind of free writing and gathering whatever the universe is trying to throw at me and getting my thoughts out on a page. Um, It can, because it has this lovely progression of I have started a sentence and new thoughts are coming to me as I'm completing and you've written something down already and now more is coming. It's more solid than just thinking about something. Mm-hmm. It has a life of its own because it grows and it moves in a form that's not necessarily your own. There's mm-hmm. outer, I think that there are outer um, influences that are coming into, you know, to form this word on the page, to form the sentence on the page. And I think that journaling, so journaling, the word itself, the root of that word comes from the word day. It's supposed to be a daily practice. Oops. (laughs) (laughs) It also comes from the word journey. Mm -hmm. And so this is your path. This is your journey. And the aspect of journaling, I love writing. I love writing the, you know, I have so many journals just filled with words at home. And the aspect that almost everybody ignores, does not pay attention to, is reviewing (laughs) write the stuff enjoy writing it make a record of what you've done or what you're thinking is but go back and reread it and then write in the margins and you know create from that and and give it even more life by going back to it a month later a year later however long and seeing where you were at this moment and what you were thinking and what forces were giving you energy and power and how that's changed and what do you think about it now and it's like so that it can it grows into this like wonderful monster of being that is magical in itself. Mm-hmm. It's a hyper sigil in itself because every letter that you write is a sigil mm-hmm. and every word that you make is a sigil and every sentence that you put together is a sigil. And then when you have a whole body of work in a journal, how powerful is that? How much energy does that put into the world with your intentions? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty important. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, I kind of like that, that you mentioned that, that going back and actually reviewing. I mean, that's that's something that a lot of people, I mean, even myself, I mean, I, I've, I've had, I mean, I'm not that much of a writer. I'm not that much of a reader, but I have a couple of journals that I've never even thought to go back and look at. You will be shocked and amazed. It's funny because I <laughs> actually did that recently. I picked up a journal that I've been holding out for like a, a book of mirrors to write my religious journal stuff in. But I started years and years ago. The section that I opened it to was uh, the beginning of a relationship that ended up being my four-year engagement that is now ended two years down the road. So I'm reading it and I'm going... I just want to smack this young girl who was me at 19 go 
reread what you're reading. If your friend came up to you telling you that this was happening in a relationship, you would tell her to get out now. What was wrong with you? <laughs> like, at, even at that age. So I'm just like, well, you know what? I needed to be on that journey. And it's just, it might be frustrating to look back on and be like, ah, what did I do? But also going, but look at where I am because I went on that journey. Because that person was willfully and blinded by whatever, because she went on and continued on that journey, I am now me. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's so many things you can, looking back, um, I've come up with uh, great spells because I look back at something I wrote a year ago and I was like, oh, I forgot about this. I didn't remember that I had this like vision or this uh, <laughs> dream or, or something like that. In fact, I mentioned Anubis earlier. I had a dream a year ago, a little over a year ago of Anubis. And um, I call the dream touched by Anubis because he literally, t he just touched my, right there. I can still feel it. He right, touched right, right my arm. Wrist. Yeah. Um, and it was a very vivid, powerful dream. And I even, I posted about it on Facebook, which I don't generally post my dreams on Facebook, <laughs> but this one was just really powerful and I wanted to put it out there. And I'm so glad that I did because that in it, in its way acted as a journal because mm -hmm. I said, oh, I should, you know, answer that call and do something with Anubis and find out why he wants to talk to me. And um, then I didn't do anything. Mm -hmm. And a year later, the memory came up in my Facebook memories and I looked at it. And at that moment, it was mega significant to mm -hmm. my journey. And that was only a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I started working with him then. So I forgot that he contacted me and I needed that reminder that, you know, I should mm -hmm. get in touch, <laughs> which I did. Facebook, um, is almost a form of like a, a mini form, of, a journaling. form of journaling. Yeah. yeah. Of, of types. Well, I mean, I, I know people who actually have like Facebooks for their babies and like, yeah. so like they post, they put pictures on their videos of when they were little. Uh, I have a friend that's been doing that for about four years now mm -hmm. and uh the, the little one she's actually getting getting to the point where she can actually like go on and recognize that was me mm -hmm. and so it's, it's kind of interesting seeing seeing that yeah just just even from such a young age yeah. it is almost like a, a gift but at the same time um oh it could be a curse oh yeah <laughs> but i'm i'm just thinking like th you have this record of your childhood now and that people didn't have before. We only had our stories that other people told through their light. And now we can see them on our parents' phones of pictures of when we were kids. I don't know. I would have liked to have a tidbit of my mother's voice to remember yeah. growing up. But, you know, we didn't have that kind of technology is widely available to everybody. Mm -hmm. So how about we do something the same with meditation? Why is meditation important to magical practitioners? Oh, so um, <laughs> meditation is important to everyone on the planet. Please, everybody, go meditate. Like, just please. <laughs> There's a quote that says, if we taught every eight-year-old to meditate, we'd have world peace in a single generation. Mm -hmm. And I believe that's true. Mm -hmm. It is my most powerful and important way of connecting to the deity within you know we are occupying these meat suits for mm -hmm. a temporary and brief period of time and when i meditate i am in contact with the infinite with the all and with the understanding that that comes from nowhere else but inside myself mm -hmm. and inside all of us and it helps me to be in this world a better person. So, I mean, bottom line, it's important for everybody. It's important in magical practice, in the practice of storytelling alchemy, in the practice of any kind of law of attraction, manifestation, whatever you want to accomplish. Meditation has been shown to increase focus, to help increase gray matter. They've actually done studies that show that meditation increases your brain physically. And so it, it's just, it's a practice that puts you in line with deity. And in, in my understanding, you need to be in line with that deity in order to manifest anything in this earthly realm, right? So the practice that I utilize in the book is very simple, mm -hmm. kind of using the senses to 
go inside and become present in the in the moment to become aware of your surroundings in a deeper way than we normally are so i <laughs> as far as the as far as the the value of it the the worth of it i can't state enough how powerful it is and the more you do it the more powerful you become there are lots of recipe books out there for spells right. <laughs> and if you give a witch who doesn't meditate a recipe and she follows it to exacting measure and a witch who does meditate and give her the exact same recipe the meditators will work better every single time no exceptions because her brain is more powerful, because her connection to deity is more powerful, because she, as a human being in this temporal meat suit, is a more powerful being because she's in touch with that. So if somebody picked up your book and wasn't doing either one of these practices, journaling or meditating, when they pick up your book, does your book give them kind of a recipe on how to start that? Or do you have advice for them on how to start these things? It is absolutely a beginner's manual in every way. Ooh. It has exercises and instructions, and it's very much a step-by-step -step process mm -hmm. of this is what you need to start with. These are, your, these are the tools that you need for this you know, practice, and here are how you incorporate those tools. And here's why even more importantly, why you incorporate these tools mm -hmm. um, and how they'll help you through. And I even give the choice of magical or mundane. If you just want to go the muggle route and mm -hmm. you're a little frightened by this witchcraft thing and this magic thing and you just want to do this without the magic, it'll still help you. It, I'll still teach you the meditation portion of it, which you can call prayer or whatever. Um, <laughs> And I'll still teach you the journaling portion of it and the mechanics of how to write it and the reasons why you want to correlate your story to a fairy tale and all of that. And I'll leave, you, you don't have to go in the direction of the magical practice and it'll still help you. But adding the magic will help you more. <laughs> <laughs> I will say that. <laughs> so was that your decision to give people who don't want to practice magic this tool? Or was that more a wiser decision? Well, it was kind of both. Because so what really happened was I simply wanted to publish a book. Mm -hmm. And I intended to self-publish because Ooh. I'm lazy mostly. And I didn't want to go through the whole submit it to 75 different publishers and be turned down and feel bad and all that stuff. So I decided to write a very mainstream self-help book about storytelling, transformational storytelling. Mm -hmm. um, and I wrote it without the magic. Oh. And so it was about a 25,000 word book. Mm -hmm. And I was getting ready to self-publish. And I was starting to do that thing where you tease the launch. Right. And I made a Facebook page for it. And I sent out a little blurb saying, hey, Storytelling Alchemy coming to, you know, Amazon near you <laughs> any minute now. And uh, here it is. And Judica Illis. Mm -hmm. the author of many wonderful witchcraft books, not the least of which is 5,000 Spells, the Encyclopedia of 5,000 oh, yeah. Spells, mm -hmm. who's a friend of mine on Facebook, contacted me and said, what is it? What do you have? What, do you, what did you write? I want to see it. She Give now, it. <laughs> she's an editor for Wiser. Mm -hmm. And so she, yeah, exactly. Give it. That's what she was like. Let me see. Let me see. <laughs> okay. So I sent it to her and she walked me through the whole process of submitting the proposal to Wiser. And she said, this is great. I love your writing. I love what you've done here. What a fantastic idea. Where's the magic? <laughs> she was like, She's like, I know you do magic with this. I know you do. <laughs> so where, where, where's the witchy? <laughs> yes, where's the witchy I, I, stuff? I see the point of the hat, but I don't see the whole hat. Exactly. Could, I, so there, there's somebody on uh, on YouTube. His uh, his name's uh, Thomas Sanders. Mm -hmm. His his motto is "Could be gayer." Could be witchier. Yes. So that's basically what Judica told me. Could be witchier, and and she also said it's not long enough for a full wiser published book so oh. she said you've written half a book she said 
add add the magic, add the witchcraft, and we'll have a whole book. Yep. And so another 25,000 words later. Oh, goodness. <laughs> I added the witchcraft to it, and it felt much more. And I'm, I'm ever grateful that she contacted me because... It just, when I finished it, even when I started to kind of rearrange Mm -hmm. the whole thing in order to get the witchcraft stuff in there, it suddenly felt real. It suddenly felt really, really good to me. I was like, oh, this just, this makes so much more sense. This is a little more along the lines of what I really want to put out there in the world. It was tasty before, but now it's flavorful. Oh, delicious. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, I was very, very grateful that she told me to add the witchcraft <laughs> Yay! so that's, it has that, both that's pretty awesome that there, there was i I'm, I'm figuring there's probably a lot of people that are going to to get this and literally within a generation it's going to it's going to become its own thing oh well i we're, hope so that would be awesome <laughs> we're, 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 we're going to be talking about you like uh, like we talk about starhawk <laughs> Oh, from your words to goddess's ears. Yes. <laughs> That's why I want it in on ground. <laughs> Bring it in. So um, there's a little bit more to that publishing story. I think you published a uh, piece in a magazine that kind of got your face out there. Oh. Want to yeah. talk about that? A couple things. So I have a blog that's online, which, you know, I think I have four or five readers, maybe. <laughs> and uh, But I also submit to online magazines from time to time. And there's a magazine, an online magazine called Witch, all in capitals, W-I-T-C-H, which is uh, run by Carolyn Elliott, who is an amazing author, an amazing witch, uh, and a teacher of mine. And um, I, I submit, I probably have 10 articles that mm. are you know, currently running in that magazine, but I submitted one called The Badass Chicks of Mythology, which is about the warrior goddesses, and it went a little viral. It probably, it has over 10,000 views or 10,000 Facebook shares or something mm-hmm. like this, and I'm still, I still get messages from people going, oh, I saw your article, like, I, I this article popped up on my feed, and I read it, and there you were at the bottom of it, <laughs> and I was like, yeah. <laughs> So there's a few that have done pretty well with with her audience mm-hmm. because because Carolyn has a much larger audience than I do, and so it has um, blossomed, which is very gratifying. <laughs> what are some of the other articles that you wrote for her? Um, I have a couple. I have one that's called "The Lady in Black," which is about shadow work, and it's about. Um, it's kind of based on the Carl Jung quote that says, depression is like a woman in black. When she shows up, don't shoo her away. Invite her in, treat her like a guest, and find out what she has to say. And so it's about sort of whatever that darkness is that you're not really wanting to face. Sit with it and give it some tea and find out what the heck is going on so you can have a conversation. Because you're you're it's... Your unconscious is what really drives you. Mm-hmm. And to have an alliance with it instead of a fear of it, mm-hmm. you make your magic mm-hmm. more powerful. So there's that one. And then there's one about initiation um, and kind of I've done this recently, too. I keep doing it over and over again. Uh, I, my teacher, when I first started um, in the initiatory tradition, my teacher talked about how when you request to be initiated, which mm-hmm. I had in this coven, um, I, you know, you, you spent a year and a day in training before your initiation, the universe goes, oh, yeah, <laughs> you want an initiation? Okay. And it sort of bombards you with things that are possibly emotional and possibly difficult and challenging. And it puts you through approximately a year this happens to everyone approximately a year of kind of chaos and challenges and trials exactly right and you come out the other side of it having learned things and having dived into the depths of your being and come out with something that's more valuable to the world which Mm -hmm. is really what the whole point is to (laughs) be giving all of that to the world and it's kind of interesting so I had that teacher raised me to third degree through that tradition, and I'm 
going back in October for a visit, and I asked her to do my croning because um, I'm old lady now. And <laughs> Thir- 35 is not old. Oh, yeah. <laughs> at about 20 years um <laughs> well that that's a that's a good point heads up people we don't just talk to millennials yeah. some yeah. people you know what other people have more and important things to talk about i'm the mother of a millennial <laughs> well and and that's that's one of the things that, that one of the reasons why we kind of created this show is we're millennials we are learning and what better place to learn from those that have came before us and those who are still teaching us. And that's that's one of the things that I love about uh, about this show. Anyway, Thanks, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that's okay. So I, I asked I asked my teacher to do my croning, and it was immediately upon the heels of that that the that Anubis thing came up Ooh. in my Facebook feed, and I also had planned a backpacking trip into the Grand Canyon. Yeah, a rim to rim four-day backpacking trip which actually happened last weekend and so I asked I I went into a meditation and I asked Anubis what what do you want what it what what is it and (laughs) the word that came to me over and over again was shamanistic trial oh and you went into the deep and I said a bad word (laughs) (laughs) and and at the upon that hearing that word those words that phrase shamanistic trial the thing that flashed into my mind was the grand canyon and then i saw an episode an, a, a a little scene from <laughs> ghostbusters uh-oh where <laughs> zool says the destructor has been chosen Oh no! And I'm laughing about it now because I survived. Yes, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but it was not funny at the time. Um, And and I almost literally almost died in the Grand Canyon last week. Did you forget to drink water? I just really wasn't prepared, and I don't know if I was just you know physically unprepared for the work of the Mm -hmm. hike, or if uh, there was some help from Anubis in that way mm-hmm. <laughs> you went down in the deep i went down into the deep and i walked across and then had to walk back out and i uh, the the third day um i was having a lot of trouble just even i, w- I would walk a hundred steps mm-hmm. and then i would have to sit down and it was just grueling and horrible and every time i stopped to sit i would feel myself losing consciousness Ooh. and my heart was not beating right mm-hmm. and I was not breathing right and there was all this and I and I literally did when I finally got into camp that afternoon I did lose consciousness and I just passed out and stayed in the tent for the rest of the day um, everybody else went on this lovely sunset hike that I couldn't even <laughs> mm-hmm. consider no. and um, it was it, <laughs> it was a dark night of the soul I can tell you that Ooh. my boyfriend told me that when we woke up the next morning and had to climb 3,000 feet out mm-hmm. I had woken up from a dream where I had a choice a dream where I there was some other way I didn't have to climb out uh, into my reality which was yes He's, you do you got to climb <laughs> out um, and he said he looked at me and I looked he said you look like a shell of a woman like I didn't even know what to say to you because you didn't you looked like you weren't there. And I was like, I, I kind of wasn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was quite, quite the deep experience. Right. I asked for, I asked for an initiation and I received mm-hmm. it. <laughs> he made you do that. That's journey. what happens. Yes. Wow. In a very spiritual place. Yeah. Now, am I correct? You did the bright angel trail. We started on North Kaibab on okay. the North Rim and, and walked across from there and we, ended up on bright angel we right. came out on bright angel wow yeah yeah for for anybody who who doesn't know the grand canyon big <laughs> very big very very big <laughs> crazy big my uh first experience in going to the grand canyon um it looks like the pictures and that kind of tricks your brain because it's like oh i'm just looking at another picture of this thing that i've been told my whole life is a thing and then you're like wait a minute what's that croaking noise Oh, that's a raven. And you see the raven and you're on the trail and you're walking in the dirt and you're like, it's a weird temperature that you're not sure of. And there's other things out there. And you're like, 
no, that's not a picture. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm actually here. And that's actually really far down. And that's the Colorado River. Mm. And that rock that I just threw is actually still falling. <laughs> no, it's I a mile. Yeah. It's more than a mile down. Yeah. Straight down. No, 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 no. <laughs> well, I'm glad you survived. Me too. Yes. Did, is there an, an, an experience or a thing that you learned from it that you want to share or you haven't processed? I'm still, I definitely am still processing. There, there are lots of things that I learned, but yeah, still processing. <laughs> I, I, I'm hoping that the ritual that I'll be going through next week will will get help me. Yeah, finish that, solidify oh, what. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh. I mean, it, yeah, d- definitely an, an awesome, awesome journey, and thankful that you survived. Yeah. It's yeah. Been quite a yes. year. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds super impressive. I actually have the opposite reactions. I have teachers who come up to me and go, "It's initiation time. It's time to initiate." And I'm like. No, no, I still have a list of books I need to do. And then something happens that's like a life thing that I need to work through. And I'm like, stop telling me to initiate. Yeah, I'm not ready yet. Yeah, the, the, the universe knows when you're ready, even if you don't. Yeah, I get these small little bits of your of my own kind of self-initiations here and there whenever somebody's like, it's time to initiate. And I, I think it happens to everyone you know, on the witchcraft path or not, Mm -hmm. you, you go through things in life and people, it's a cycle and people Mm -hmm. are like, why am I having all of these trials? Why is this year so crazy? Why am I so, you know, uh, put upon by the universe at this time in my life? And if you look at it properly, you can always bring something out of that that's valuable for your next adventure, whatever that may be. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the way I see it. Yep. So you talked about that you do classes or you facilitate types of retreats. You want to talk about what kinds those are? And of course, I know there's one connected to the book. Yeah, there's one coming up for the book. So I've always loved teaching and and my teacher pushed me to teach when I first started <laughs> learning and, and that sort of thing. And so this is the, the coven. It's the Star and Crescent Moon Coven in the Hudson Valley, New York. They're one of the biggest co- covens in the Northeast still. And my teacher, Bernadette Montana, is awesome and wise <laughs> and wonderful. And so when I first started learning with her, she was she always pushed me to, you know, hey, um, guess what? There's a meetup. You're teaching it. <laughs> That's <laughs> kind of how she did things. <laughs> and um, I, I've always enjoyed teaching. So uh, these days I offer workshops, uh, workshops in meditation, workshops in witchcraft, I, the the Badass Chicks of Mythology is one of the workshops that I offer, which I have a lot of fun teaching. And I've been also running retreats, pagan retreats lately. One I did uh, about a year and a half, two years ago, I guess, mm-hmm. for, it's called Goddess Divine, and you have to say it with an English accent. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and it takes place in Sedona, what better place for goddesses oh, to right. convene. Yes. And uh, I don't have one scheduled, but it's probably not going to be till 2020 for the next one for that, and it'll probably be in the spring. The next retreat that's coming up is based on the book. It's called Storytelling Alchemy, The Retreat. And (laughs) it's taking place in Connecticut in uh, October. Perfect. Right? So I I thought an enchanted forest would be a really good location for this sort of work (laughs) that we're doing. And there's a beautiful retreat center there on 17 acres of wooded land with labyrinths and walking paths and things like that. What, uh, what, what? city uh chester chester connecticut and the the place is called guest house retreat center wow um and and their name is actually based on a poem by rumi um (laughs) about us being guests in our own house kind of thing it's about uh we this body is the house which hosts the spirit Mm-hmm. That's kind of what it's about. So it's a it's a very new agey kind of feel for the the place. But they're very open to all different beliefs, and I thought it was just the perfect place to have this retreat. So it's three days. It's October fifth, sixth, and seventh, and we're gonna just do a nice deep dive into the practices of the book and practice them together. And Saturday night we'll have a bonfire and toast to our success. Ooh. And there's going to be rituals throughout and workshops and that sort of thing so yeah i'm looking forward to it it's going to be a lot of fun 
Yeah. And especially this time of year, Connecticut is beautiful. That's the thing I thought. See, I was a little selfish in the timing and location as well because <laughs> I moved to Arizona from New York five years ago, and I've I've been back to New York a few times, but not in the fall, which mm-hmm. was my favorite time mm-hmm. of year. So I'm really happy to be going back in October to this beautiful Connecticut River Valley area where yeah. the leaves will be gorgeous. Oh. Yeah, my uh, my dad's side of the family's from Connecticut, so yeah. I, I've been up there a couple of times around around this time of year. So it's beautiful. Oh, I'm so jelly. I want to go. <laughs> so you also host a YouTube channel where you talk about a lot of stuff. Actually, not a YouTube channel. Oh. I've just only been doing it. I want I want to do the YouTube thing. I'm, I'm oh okay. Yeah. I'm mm-hmm. technology challenged. You know, being non millennial, <laughs> <laughs> um, being technically, I guess. I'm in the I'm in the latest stage of uh, baby boomer. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, but I I do Facebook live chats. Oh, okay. Once a week. Oh, yeah. Um, I, I only see them on Facebook, so yeah, it looked kind of YouTubey. I stand corrected. Well, <laughs> I guess they are sort of. I mean, really, it's just you sit in front of your computer's mm-hmm. camera True. and talk. So that's what which, I do. Which which YouTube, which YouTube actually has uh, something like that as well. They can they can stream. To, well, I mean, there's programs out there that can stream to both simultaneously, but I'll have to talk to you after. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah, so that's there's just a Saturday. I try to do them on Saturday afternoons, mm-hmm. um, and it's, I'm on sort of a hiatus from it right at this moment because Grand Canyon and retreat so close together. I'm preparing. I'm kind of going into mm-hmm. this deep dive prep for the retreat. Um, but after the retreat is over, I'll get back to it. Saturday afternoons. Renee Damoiselle, author, Facebook page, just tune in and I, t- I talk about whatever, a different topic each week. Sometimes it's magic spells, sometimes it's ritual, mm-hmm. sometimes it's, you know, ghosts, but whatever. We'll talk about <laughs> anything. And we'll, we'll definitely link to that in the show notes as well. Yep. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> so we are running a little short on time, unfortunately. Oh. But uh, I know if you if you have one last question. Well, I guess my last question is, how was working with Wiser? Fantastic. <laughs> they are, I mean, uh, Judica, the whole team there is so supportive and so kind. And this was my first foray into the publishing world. Mm-hmm. And first of all, I was completely grateful that I didn't have to do all of the things like cover art and marketing and all of the things that they take care of and you know even the even the typesetting and the printing and the all of that (laughs) stuff it's like too many decisions yeah um and they just did such a beautiful job they have amazing artists working with them for the cover art um Mm -hmm. some of the like i love the art they did for my cover i took one look at it and i was like it is clear to me that the person who drew this read my book Yay! You know, it really felt right, and it's so pretty. And I've seen, like, so Amy Blackthorne's magical botanical book that just came out. Her, she's with Wiser, too. They're just, they're co- oh, their cover art is spectacular. Yeah. And I, I just had a wonderful time working with them. They always answered my questions and kept it real for me. And uh, everything that they said they were going to do, they did. And everything, right, exactly when they said they were going to do it, that. I can't rave enough. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. A, a company doing actually what they're supposed to be doing. Amazing, right? <gasps> Amazing. And, and not recycling the cover art, which is a big thing. Yeah. 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 They Thank really, you. obviously, yeah. they paid somebody well to do that because every every cover I've seen come out of there mm-hmm. lately has been really spectacular. And very specific to the book. It, yeah. do, it doesn't look rehashed or... Mm-hmm. Not at all. Yeah. yeah. I didn't... There's like... So I never would... I'm not artistically visually artistically inclined Mm -hmm. and so what they chose would would never i wouldn't have gone there but i love it Mm -hmm. (laughs) and i'm like this is perfect (laughs) if it speaks the word of the book then that's all that matters (laughs) so where can we find you online if anybody wants to follow you or find the book as well so it's reneedemoiselle.com is my uh website and uh that's my name on Facebook. I'm the only one. <laughs> Much like Tigger. Yes, I was about to say that was a very Tigger-esque way of saying it. Uh, so friend me on Facebook if I still have space there. And if not, you mm-hmm. can follow me because I'm getting really close to the 5,000 yeah. mark. Um, but you can always like my author page, Renee Demoiselle Author. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. 
And then uh, for the book, where can we find that? Uh, the book can be found if you search Storytelling Alchemy on mm -hmm. Amazon. You can find it there. You can also buy it from me directly and get a signed copy if you like <gasps> on my website. There's a purchase spot on the website. This mm -hmm. is the home page of the website right now. Nice. Um, so, And Barnes & Noble has it and a couple of other outlets too, I think. But yeah, it's a, if you if you search storytelling alchemy, you can find it. Yeah. Love it. So events coming up. Well, uh, September twenty fourth, which is uh, tomorrow on the recording date, uh, <laughs> is going to be the full moon. So yes. our next full moon is this upcoming Monday. You'll be listening to us if you listen to us once we pop it on Wednesday. You still have some full moon magic that you can do uh, for our friends in Nevada. September 29th is Las Vegas's Pagan Pride, and they do have a Facebook page for that event. So September 29th for our Nevada friends. And then October 6th, if you're in Phoenix, the Pagan Pride Cook-Off Fundraiser is happening. So that's another thing to look out for if you're a Phoenix person or a Phoenician. Phoenician. A Phoenician. <laughs> Uh, Patreon. This week we don't have anybody new to say thank you to, so we're just going to say thank you to our Patreon supporters. Yes. Is Patreon worth it, Jared? Oh, I do believe so, because of course we have those wonderful buttons and stickers that we've been sending out to our current Patreon people. Yes, I apologize for my terrible handwriting on your thank you notes, but I hope you appreciate them nonetheless. Yes, and also with the $5 or more Patreon subscription, of course you get a monthly mini-so that is exclusive only to Patreon members. Yep, and if you are just going to do that dollar a month, we still thank you right here on our episodes. Yes. Uh, you can find Millennial Pagan Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And I want to thank everyone who's already liked us on Instagram. Uh, of course, we have Wise Words on Twitter and Facebook as well. Yes. Jero, where can people find you? Of course, also on uh, on Twitter under Jero Stone, J-E-R-A-S-T-O-N-E. -E. And of course, my Instagram page, Haggard Hagrid, H-A-G-A-R-D underscore Hagrid underscore cosplay. I uh, got a couple of new uh, new people on there, so I was actually kind of happy. And you can find me, Autumn Wolf, on Facebook, Twitter, and WordPress. And I am in the middle of writing a article for once in... <laughs> In a long time, so hold your fingers crossed that my word salad becomes an actual post. <laughs> <laughs> so from all of us here at Millennial Pagan Podcast, Merry Meet, Merry Part, and, and Merry Meet, meet Again. again.